Instead, he had no close relationships, including among other pastors. And when we get siloed is when we can get weird. If you ever want to be humbled, flip over the back cover of that book. There's five endorsements on the back, and three of those endorsements are from pastors at the time who have left in pretty spectacular, loud ways. The Liberty Communion is a family of churches that seek to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus Christ in our neighborhoods. On this podcast, through stories and conversations, we elaborate on what that looks like in real life. Welcome to Live, Speak, Serve, a podcast by the Liberty Communion, hosted by Michael Black. Hello, and welcome to Live, Speak, Serve, a podcast by the Liberty Communion of Churches. I'm your host, Michael Black, and today is the second uh, part of a two-part series of Church Planting and Strengthening. So if you haven't listened to Church Planting, go back and listen to episode three, and then uh, you'll be all caught up. With me today again is Jim Anger of Liberty Collingswood and Matt Luloyan of Liberty Harrisburg. Both men serve on our communion lead team, help to lead our communion of churches, uh, specifically in this area of Church Planting and Strengthening. Guys, say hello. Welcome back. I I want our listeners to know that some of my best material from last episode was cruelly edited out. I can't believe I'm being canceled on my own communion podcast. This is absurd, but I am Jim. Jim, uh, it's great to be back with you. Michael, you as well. I told Michael before we hit record that Michael does saintly work editing out some of some of those things and keeping us on task because that's not a it's not a given for Jim and I. So <laughs> grateful to be uh, back with you guys. We're doing this via distance. You guys are in the studio in Collingswood, New Jersey, uh, as mm. it's called. And I'm I'm across about 100 miles of state of Pennsylvania in uh, central Pennsylvania today. So good to uh, get together via the interwebs, as they call it. Mm. Yeah, cross state lines. Uh, yeah, so, so let's get into it. Uh, last episode, we spoke um, pretty in depth about uh, church planting, some of the things that are obstacles, some of the things that are benefits uh, in this current day and age. Um, So let's talk about the other half of one of the most core aspects of what the communion has uh, been coming together for, and that's church strengthening. Last time we discussed some of those statistics from the Barna Foundation that really bums Jim out, that pastors are leaving uh, ministry in droves. But some of that can be, I think, uh, chalked up to a lack of really good in-depth relationships. Mm -hmm. How do we address something as broad and as vast as as ministry and leading without relationship, and how do we jump in there? Yeah, I mean, I I'll tee it up so that Jim can can spike it in just a second. But uh, I think that's right on. Something that comes to mind for me right off the bat, different from Barna, but the Lilly Foundation, organization that does a lot of uh, research and care for for different uh, clergy across the United States, primarily. They did a lot of research. It's been probably 15 years or so now. And they did a lot of research of people in pastoral ministry specifically. And I think they spent, I want to say they spent like 70 million plus dollars. The, the, the statistics are a little fuzzy for me now. It's been some years, but what they found was that the, the average seminary educated pastor uh, would have a tenure in full-time vocational ministry for three to five years and then they would burn out, fail out, drop out and do something else. And they, that was an alarming stat. Um, understandably so, because of, of the time investment, the money investment uh, that would go into the training and preparation for ministry for it to only last an average of three to five years as a tenure. So out of that research, different people did a lot of stuff with that research. But one of the best books, in my opinion, that came out of that is called Resilient Ministry. 
And they kind of go through five different areas of kind of coaching and skill sets that are really critical factors for pastors to stay in ministry for longevity. Over all five of those is actually one dominant factor. The most likely indicator if a pastor is going to have longevity in ministry is uh, are they connected to, to a relationship of other pastors who they are able to actually be open and honest with and unfiltered with? Um, that they're able to share kind of the realities of life and ministry with in that relational kind of setting without the pressures or tensions that sometimes come from formal denominational reporting structures. So all that to say, Michael, the research would say exactly what you said there, that that relationship piece and the strength of relationships around a pastor is like maybe the critical factor of, of strong churches and churches that um, have pastors that make it for a long period of time. I completely disagree. And <laughs> number one, no, I'm kidding. The, I think that's true. And to connect some of this to what we were saying last episode too, so the statistics about church planting, staying power in ministry, they're all really bad. They're all really, really bad. But this is our positive episode. We're, we're staying positive. But, but it's sort of like the statistics, the more you examine the complete picture, the, there are encouraging signs. Kind of like if you look at statistics about podcasts and how many podcasts are successful over the long term as opposed to petering out right at the beginning. That's not going to be the Live, Speak, Serve podcast. We're not even worried about that. But in large part, it's because we have a good plan. Michael, you spent a lot of time putting together a, a very global strategy for how all this is going to work, the equipment's in place. And so many of the podcasts, most of them that fail early on, they never had a plan, they never had a vision, and they're set up, they're set up to fail. Many of those churches that fail, and this is mystery under the providence of God, don't have a lot of underlying success variables and factors that can actually position churches and ministers much better. And it makes all the sense in the world to me that relational connection and support is key for what we're trying to do. Matt, you and I, we, we experienced this firsthand among other places at Liberty East, now it's Liberty River Wards, where for a lot of years, I would come in from Collingswood, Matt would come in from Harrisburg, and we would spend most of our Tuesdays sometimes actively engaged in staff meeting conversation, always actively engaged in prayer. Other times we were just flies on the wall watching a more mature church do their thing. But Matt, at least for my part, Matt, Matt has never had a bad week. I had a lot of them back in the day. <laughs> and just having a shoulder to cry on, listening ear, people to pray for. We're celebrating at Liberty Collingswood soon, our 10th anniversary. Matt celebrated the same thing last year. We wouldn't have made it this long if not for those relational connections. When I tell people, whether then or now, and it was really important that I was able to be at Liberty East staff meeting, I can see that they don't get it. They're like, they, they're picturing office space or Dilbert. So you, you were at a staff meeting and this was the one thing that, that, that kept you going. The answer is actually yes. It wasn't Dilbert, very structured sort of thing. It was deeply, deeply relational. And that's also, I think, as our communion continues to develop here at Liberty, we're trying to formalize, not as in making less good or less rich or less deep, but making more systematized, perhaps, building in these relational connections for all of our pastors for the sake of strengthening churches. Yeah, personally, it's been really forming in my own souls. I was a part of a, a nonprofit in Tennessee for a little while where I was doing the operations 
And um, yeah, full disclosure, it didn't go well. And part of the reason it didn't go well is because even though I was doing the job to the letter, I was losing friends um, because I was working like 60, 70 hours a week. I loved the organization. I love what we did. I was very much invested. It became everything to the detriment of my own faith. And so like, I didn't have a lot of people around me that I could really open up to about what I was struggling with because I'm you know, in this position of authority. Yeah. And people don't like it if someone on the top is struggling, if they're wavering or if something's wrong. And so you, you end up just kind of collapsing in on yourself. And then it's just super dangerous. And when I moved to Philadelphia, I just restarted my life. I went all the way back over and started waiting tables again because I needed to like unlearn some of those really unhealthy habits so that when I started working for Liberty, you know, one of the most mind-boggling things was we, we say relationships and I jumped on that train pretty early on because I was like, oh, this is the this is the life I've been missing. Yeah. And then Huber was calling me into a meeting and I'm like, okay, here's the agenda. Here's what we got to talk about. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to go after. This is our, our calendar. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. How are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm doing great, right. man. So anyway, as I was saying, he's like, no, 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 no. Like, let's, like, let's talk. And we'd spend two hours just talking and praying together before we, and it, it drove me nuts for a while. Because I was like, we are not being efficient right now with our time. <laughs> yep. But it was efficient in relationship building. And I grew closer to Steve in that hour than I grew with some of my coworkers at that other nonprofit. And I'd been there for four or five years. Crazy. Yeah. The depth that you get with relationships is, it's an under, like, I get it. And like, I'm hook, line, and sinker of why we focus on it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could, could I give a negative example? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So after, after all this positive talk. The, and very clearly, I want to say, and I want the Liberty Communion to say, we're not the best, greatest, only group of churches in the world. We have plenty of things to work on. We've made plenty of mistakes along the way. So, But here's a negative counterexample. Years ago, when I first got into ministry, I, I was almost not ordained in the denomination that I was in at the time, because as part of the ordination package, you have to accept a call to a local church. And what that church was paying me was a really, really tiny church in West Philadelphia. There was concern that my salary was too low and under the minimum threshold for being a minister based on, based on the, the, the metrics that they had. And I was 25 years old, just out of seminary, thought this is going to be the best thing in the world. I don't have money, but I have Jesus and yeah, it's going to be really tight financially, but I feel called to this work. Let's do it. And the group was like, yeah, but it really makes us nervous. Are, are you sure you're going to have enough? And, and we're, we're thinking of not letting you do this. And I was wondering, you know, you're not the one putting skin in the game here, number, num- in, in number one. But finally, they, they relented and said, okay, we'll, we'll let you take this call to to be at the church, which I appreciated, but none of the people in that room reached out to me afterwards to ask how I was doing. Even though there was about an hour's worth of conversation during the business meeting, but no relational follow-up. And that is, that that's not a denomination at its best, so I don't mean to paint with so broad of a brush, but, but that relational piece is what's going to keep us going or not. Yeah, that's well said, Jim. And it's a, it's a pattern and probably part of just human nature, um, at least for a lot of personalities that get into ministry, that it's really exciting to start something. It's really exciting to be there for the beginning of something um, and to do a lot of work on the front end to see something come into existence. So that's where 
church planting in particular um, garners a lot of excitement, support, um, maybe comparatively easier to raise finances for a brand new startup kind of church that's that's beginning in a new place. It's less exciting to think about the longevity piece and the sustainability piece. To Jim's point, it's it's easier to be the person who on the front end has all the questions or ideas about should this thing happen or not, but doesn't really follow through the whole way to, to see, hey, how is it actually going now that it's there? So being a community of churches that does both planting and strengthening is really just our, our way of saying both of those things really matter. We don't just want to be constantly concerned and wrapped up with starting new churches. We would love to see, as we talked about last episode, new churches come into existence and always to have uh, people being raised up and sent out to start new works for the sake of the, the good news of Jesus going to, to people who haven't heard or believed. Um, but at the same time, it really matters that those churches actually make it past a planting stage. And then also, um, God willing, have a really long and healthy run. And we've seen, gosh, so many examples of Existing churches and, and networks and denominations of churches go through various forms of uh, dysfunction and, and a lack of health. Uh, a huge part of church strengthening for us at the Liberty Communion is let's also attend to the health of the leaders, the health of the congregation. Uh, let's do as much as we can to set them up for a really long and healthy run. Um, so it's not just a, a great few years and then it, we kind of fall into that statistic of, of burning out, failing out, or dropping out. Absolutely. And that seems boring, but we've got to do it anyway. And what Matt is talking about right here represents hopefully somewhat of a learning curve, say, as we've looked at over the past 20 or 30 years of church planting, where all of the sexy action and excitement is starting as many things, as many churches as possible, as, as quickly as possible. But part of the nature of the beast, and so there's this false dichotomy between planting as many churches as possible, good and awesome, maintaining churches, strengthening churches, boring, staid, sleepy, and bad. That, that, that's not a great paradigm, including personally for me. Church planting is so crazy that for a lot of planters who exercise their strengths and gifts in the first couple years of planting will develop a pretty predictable set of weaknesses and sin patterns as a result of what you need to do to get the church on the ground, not on purpose, but hey, if I'm alpha in these specific directions, what are some of the sin patterns deficiencies of that sort of work and that sort of personality? So there are a number of church plants that get off the ground, but then the planter slides into ill health at the point where the planter needs to develop a better, deeper, broader team of people around. So it's not just the one person. Maybe that sharing of responsibility doesn't happen. So what on the surface looked really healthy and even might look really healthy because year two and three for a church plant that's gone really well, there's going to be a lot of people, there's going to be a lot of energy, but the seeds of their own distress have already been sown if we're not intentional about strengthening those churches. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little more because we're still kind of speaking in generalities, which I think is reasonable for the topic at hand. We are lead pastors, Michael, <laughs> so we, we enjoy, we enjoy whoa, the big whoa, picture. Whoa, whoa, Michael, whoa, Hold on now. Uh, <laughs> What I was going to say is that uh, we kind of set up this juxtaposition between uh, relational vulnerability and operational excellence. Hmm. Uh, and it, it seems like you, you, you really need both to be a, a really healthy church, but it's sometimes hard to have them simultaneously as they do tend to 
but into each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I kind of was bringing up an earlier anecdotally, but my own personal bent is to be a little more efficient at the cost of that relational investment. But it's also possible to be so relationally focused that you don't get much done. When we are working with uh, a church planter or even just a pastor who's already been planted and is just entering into the communion, how do we consider focusing on both of those areas so that we don't err one side or the other? That's Matt's job. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. Jim would prefer everyone just be robotic and do operational things, no relationships. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's certainly something we're thinking about. And I, my mind goes back because uh, it's really been helpful for me personally. And G- I would love for Jim in a minute to talk about cohorts that we've started among the Liberty pastors. Uh, we have two of them. Uh, cohort's a word that a lot of people started using like a decade ago uh, in in kind of the Christian subculture, you know, pastoral ministry subculture, even I think somewhat directly or indirectly related to some of that Lilly Foundation research. So they're saying, you know, you need a, you need a group of people that you can do this kind of work uh, with for the sake of your own soul, but also for the sake of the the church that you that you lead and shepherd. That same book, Resilient Ministry, they, they I think, have really pursued that balance of both the relational piece, uh, the self piece, and the, and the operational organizational stuff. So the, the five areas that they say, like, these are the critical success factors for longevity and strength and health of churches. Uh, one is emotional intelligence. So that's a little more self-directed. Uh, one is leadership and management, which is very much operational organizational skills you don't typically learn in seminary, but are really critical to to strength and health of a church to, you know, Jim was talking about staffing and HR type functions and, you know, how you grow organizationally over time. Marriage and family is a third one. So that's, that's relational, but your own immediate family, uh, spiritual formation is a fourth one and self-care is a fifth one. So there's inherently way more there that's relational and heart focused than there is maybe hands focused or head focused. Pastors tend to do a better job more naturally being, uh, head and maybe hands people. They think a lot about stuff and they do a lot of stuff, especially planters. Like planters certainly are thinkers and executors. And they they tend to maybe do an end around and a bypass of the, the heart level, which is interesting and, and maybe not altogether surprising then that like a bunch of these things have to do with the self-awareness, marriage and family relationships, spiritual formation and self-care have a ton to do with the soul or the heart level of life. So that, I think I think all that to say, those are the same kind of areas that we care about for pastors and leaders in the Liberty Communion um, to, to really pay attention to with their their cohorts. What's a cohort? Well, let me address that question in two parts. Thank you. <laughs> One, let's let's observe that we don't only have cohorts, and we also have for our pastors the FCP. What what's not better with an acronym that the the full council of pastors and so throughout the course of a ministry year cohort meets I believe five times and FCP Matt is at three or four maybe not 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 quite as many yeah it sounds about right so that I think illustrates Michael some of the balance that you were speaking of with the operational stuff gotta have things buttoned down in the right way but that's also not the end-all be-all. So we have these two different tracks where, and I'll speak to FCP first, the full council of pastors. Those are our, for lack of a better term, business meetings. And we we talk communion budget. If there are 
things that other people need to know by way of information. We talk about upcoming schedule and we debrief stuff that that that's already happened. And there's a learning there where as a communion before communion network of churches, we probably weren't great overall at some of that operational stuff. I'm, I mean, it's not a coincidence that I'm in a three-way conversation with our director of operations for the Liberty Communion, Michael, who there didn't used to be that position, but we we saw that that there was a need for it, and 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 then Matt, the systemic wizard, the the systems <laughs> wizard of, of I think that's your official title. I think that uh, is wizard pastor slash wizard. It's a good combo. It's a really good one two. It's a really good one two punch. Right. So 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 then we have the FCP where at the all lead pastor and other pastor level, we we hash out some of those things necessary, but then the cohorts are then freed to focus on relationship, on praying for one another, on some strategic development pieces about continuing to build out ministry skills. And I don't know about you, Matt, but cohort is one, of, and I'm going to miss it next week because I'm going to be, well, I'm going to be in Jazz Fest in, in New Orleans. I, I don't regret being at Jazz Fest, <laughs> but, I, but I do regret missing mi- missing cohort. I, those are times that I look forward to and love. And there's there's always a lot of tears. There's always a lot of laughter. There's always a lot of joy. And I wouldn't miss or sub out those cohorts for the world because in a lot of ways, that that's where the heartbeat and the lifeblood of our communion is. Yeah, I think that's I think that's exactly right. Um, that's made a huge difference. We We've always been able to live with some strong relationships across the Liberty Communion. I think relationships before we became a communion officially that was that was the glue before there was even other additional structures around it. And so now that there are some additional and needed structures around it, the goal is also to say, well, we don't want to just become a structured organization and the, and the cohorts really do become the lifeblood relationally like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting as well because there's a culture of a church that is in many ways set by those in leadership. And so if the pastor is diving into relationships and is, is relying on them for his own personal growth and, and sanctification and, and walk with Christ, that is going to have an impact on those underneath them. And we're, we're seeing that now. I mean, one of the core aspects of how we're partnering with people, it, there must be a relationship there. Otherwise, if everything is only in numbers, uh, it's only in spreadsheets, you don't actually have a, a love for one another then how are you supposed to bear one another's burdens effectively um, when someone's in the dumps or is not doing well? Is your heart broken? There's like a, there are ways to test whether or not you actually have a friend there. And I think the cohorts has been really interesting to see and watch that grow. Like we have John Robinson in Tampa, and there is so much love for that guy that every time right. he's on, we, we've got to like reel it back in from talking about how he's doing and and the the weather gets brought up, and the joke about pa- Liberty Pastors retiring in Florida, and <laughs> <laughs> the timeshare church. There's no joke. There's no there's joke a- <laughs> about that. That's yeah. Because there's, there's, the love is just it. It's there, and it, you you can't cover it up. And so it, it's just beautiful to kind of see that uh, it goes it goes hand in hand. Even when we're trying to get the calendar done, you see you see John Robinson down there, and you're like, oh man, I love that guy. How's he doing? Yeah, Michael, mm-hmm. you missed the 150 
Cuban cigars that John brought to Oklahoma City. Last, oh, I believe it. Last, yeah. last yeah. week, <laughs> Matt had 148 of them. Well, yeah, we should we should specify that was for a group of like 80 pastors, not like just <laughs> not not just the 18 not that friends. came from Liberty. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get some questions about that one. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> and also, I think there is a healthy culture in our churches right now. This is certainly true of our own consistory, our own leadership board here at Liberty Collingswood, where there's an appreciation that part of being in the Liberty Communion is that I dedicate, and yes, I, I work a couple hours a week for the communion in an official capacity, as, as does Matt. But even apart from that, before I stepped into this larger role, there was an understanding that there would be time taken out of weeks, periodically, months, when I would build relationship with, with other Liberty pastors, because it's really important for the health of Liberty Collingswood. And pastors can get janky in two ways. One, when the pastor's only friends are at that pastor's church, but then also the opposite, if the pastor has has no friends at the, at the church. So assuming that as pastors, we, all, we do have healthy relationships in the church itself, I, I don't recall, on the other hand, listening to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast at any point hearing, well... The cohort of which Mark Driscoll was a part, where they did life together on a continual basis, were very, very surprised at how, how he began to went south, to go south. Instead, he had no close relationships, including among other pastors. And when we get siloed is when we can get weird. That's good. There's, um, that's even a great maybe prompt for a thought that's in my mind too, Jim, that... Um, and even a way that that we would love to see the Liberty community continue to grow in the church strengthening piece. So um, Paul Tripp wrote a book years ago called Dangerous Calling that was a lot about a pastoral pastoral vocation and ministry and the, some of the specific inherent dangers to that. If you ever want to be humbled and maybe bummed out, but humbled certainly is flip over the back cover of that book and read. There's five endorsements on the back. And three of those endorsements are from pastors at the time who have left in pretty spectacular, loud ways. Hmm. Um, it's really humbling to read that. So he, <clears throat> Paul Tripp wrote a book more recently, several years ago called Lead, which was, uh, if, if Dangerous Calling was more about the specific pastor, one person, Lead is about the kind of leadership team and community around that pastor. And it, it's actually about the health of a team. So the, the parallel maybe for us and where I think liberty is really strong right now is We've really uh, pursued and fostered strong relationships among the pastors, the lead pastors specifically, uh, but also other pastors of our churches. And that's through the cohorts primarily and the, and the FCP meetings that Jim was describing earlier. Continued growth for us, I think, in time is creating more cross-pollination and touch points for our different leadership teams to be in relationship with each other. The more kind of multiple you know, web of relationships that we can create across the communion the stronger our churches actually feel like they're supporting one another and not just the pastor supporting one another. Um, I don't think it's an either or there, but a both and. Um, but I think that's that's as we kind of envision what what additional type things can we do to strengthen churches. It's paying attention not only to the the lead pastors or full-time vocational pastors of churches, but but the the leadership teams, whether that's a, a consistory or a a session or a, a board of elders or deacons, whatever that looks like in each each congregation. But those teams having relationships and, and time and touch points uh, with each other. Yeah. So, so building out from here, CMM is this organization in Atlanta that 
coaches church planter coaches. And so Matt and I have received that training along with Steve. And we're trying to get better with some of these one-on-one sorts of connections too. And the model there is that you either have sort of a counseling relationship where it's all about how you're feeling, but nothing about what you're doing strategically in ministry, or you have those other sorts of supports where it's, what are the what are the numbers? What are the strategies? All very operationally based, but no heart. We're, we're trying to work within a model for supporting our planters individually and our pastors where there's a balance of heart, gospel identity, how is Jesus crucified and resurrected? Uh, how is that being weighed, savored by you right now? What, what does Jesus have for you and what's he seeking to do through you? But then also, hopefully we're not idiots when it comes to oh, you want to spend half of your operating budget for the year on a mailer that has a unicorn on it? We, we've, we've tried that in other churches, and it hasn't, <laughs> and it hasn't worked. Here, here are some strategies instead that, that, that you might try. Apologies to Harrisburg about that mailer. Yeah, that really bombed. We tried. <laughs> I've always used the analogy of like a, like a familial unit, that um, children... I'm trying to remember where this, where I first heard this, and I don't have a, a study to back it up, but I remember someone saying a really good qualifier for a Christian family for the children to stay close to a, a walk with Christ is actually spiritual aunts and uncles. Having other uh, older relationships with people outside of just the, the mother and the father, like being connected in multiple ways, helps to solidify that child in the faith. But And we talk about it from a children's standpoint, but the same is also true for individuals. The more relationships that we have, the stronger we are. And we talked about that a little bit last episode with, you know, Lost Connections. Johan Hari talks about that. One of the ways to combat loneliness and depression is relationships. But it makes sense that this would also apply on a vocational ministry side. If you want to be strong in your job, having relationships with people that have been there before, have seen it, have gone through the struggle, or have witnessed someone else do, like the, gleaning from that wisdom and also pouring that back into other people that are coming behind you, you, you become a part of a cohesive unit. And not that we do it perfectly. No one's perfect. Sure. Like it's Christ and Christ alone. But I mean, that's ultimately the goal, right? Yeah. I, I, I did want to say something to Michael about pastoral transitions as, as, as something that we're trying to, to get better with as a communion as well. Can I go in that direction? Or? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so another way that churches can go wanky is when pastor says, I'm not going to pastor here anymore, or the church tells pastor that he's not going to be the pastor there anymore, including statistically when one of the stress points for church plants is when the founding pastor, the founding planter, moves on. That's and and this is the point at which many of our churches are, where there's been only one pastor in the history of this individual con- congregation so far. And we're trying to balance between a couple of different models for which we sense weaknesses. One is and this was never our our jam anyway, but the monarchical system, Michael, of 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 church government where if a local church loses a pastor, it's the bishop or the higher-ups that just fly the new person in, and it's a situation where, like, here's your new dad. <laughs> hope, you, hope you like him, but, but, but you have no choice in the matter. And sometimes, in the worst of these models or situations, the 
bishop or governing board that does the installation has very little knowledge or contact with the individual church. Sometimes that doesn't go well. The flip side, and this is more where our church polity has has been, is that all of our Liberty churches, once they get established, are individually governed, more or less. And until recently, each church can do their own search process to find another lead pastor, another successor. When we stepped into communion mode, we asked all of the churches coming with us to open the door to, to let in communion lead team voices at the table during pastoral transitions. So our individual churches will still have transition teams, pastoral search teams, but there's going to be communion voices there to try to help and guide the process. That went really well with Liberty Mainline, where Mainline, great group of men and women, had a search team that was awesome, but Steve Huber and I were there at many of the meetings, and you'll hear Steve say, if a hospital is trying to hire another doctor, but the search team has no doctors on it, maybe that's a, that, that that's a fail. So having a couple of pastors in the room on the pastoral search team in an advisory capacity, we're not perfect, but sometimes we can spot things that lay people don't just from, and vice versa, obviously, from years of being on this side of the, of the layperson clergy, clergy divide. And that is, that's also a foot at Liberty Riverwards right now, I hope, I hope in helpful ways. And churches that may have a really dynamic, wonderful lead pastor at first, a founding pastor, a planter, we're serving the churches long-term, not just those individ, individual pastors. Therefore, part of our strengthening, too, is this whole pastoral transition thing. Yeah, that's well said. That's And part of the communion and coming together, as Jim said there, it's shaped by our heart to really walk with churches for their long-term health and strength. Is the, the lead pastor transition is a big one. And when leadership teams go through different types of difficulty and conflict and need people to come in and walk with them through that, there's a way that being part of a broader family of churches and people that you know, even that to use your metaphor, Michael, the spiritual aunts and uncles, you know, people that you say like, hey, I... I know who those people are. They've been around before. They're not just kind of Dunder Mifflin corporate that gets, you know, called in when there's a, a crisis and we've never heard their name or seen their face ever before. That's a huge asset to a church that's going through something really difficult. And it has to be the grace of God, certainly, but it radically increases the likelihood um, for that church to come through a difficult season and a transition like that with, uh, with still health and vitality um, and not having to start, you know, from, from scratch. Yeah, there's also a way where the relational aspect is kind of like priming a pump, you know, like, like you, you're investing in the good times so that when the bad times come, you, you know where to go. You've practiced this, like you've, you've been in relationship and the people there, you don't have to question, uh, motives or, or authoritarian hierarchies. In many ways, they're, they're, they're the aunts and uncles that you've known forever and, and you trust and, you can lean on them in a way that doesn't feel like you're teetering on the precipice of a really great fall because they're there with you. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've said before, I forget if it was on our previous podcast or not, but we're we're failing as a communion of churches if people at Liberty Churches consider larger Liberty Communion leadership like the IRS. Michael, how often does an IRS agent call you and you're happy to receive the call and that IRS agent says, "Hey, Michael, this is this is Bob from the IRS. Just want to say you did a great job on filing your taxes. 
last year. It, it was really, really well done. No, no suggestions, no, no edits. Just want you to know, keep, keep up the good work. We're in your corner for, for, for next year. There's a great, like, uh, I think it's, I think it was a Ronald Reagan, like quip, you know, some of the scariest words in the English language are like a knock on your door and you're like, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Exactly. You know? It's like, uh, I'm from the communion lead team and I'm here to help. We want that to be like an actual encouragement, uh, to people and not, not that sense of fear and dread, you know? Not that I, I second that. Not that sense of fear and dread. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for clarifying, Jim. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you uh, want to listen to more of Jim Anger, uh, you can check out Liberty Collingswood or Matt Leloyan at Liberty Harrisburg. Uh, thanks for stopping by. Catch you later. Thank you for listening to Live, Speak, Serve, a podcast by the Liberty Communion of Churches. For more information or ways to support the work of the Liberty Communion, visit www.liberty.org. That's liberty with an I dot org.